Today's global consumers clear in their demand for safe, affordable, and sustainable protein. To continue to meet these rising expectations requires both leadership and collaboration with food chain stakeholders, academia, and the veterinary community. Animal Health is pleased to amplify the voices of leaders throughout the protein supply chain here on this podcast, caring for animals and creating trust in food. Hello, and thank you for joining us for today's episode of Caring for Animals and Creating Trust. I'm Jane Dukes, and I'll be hosting today's conversation about what we wish consumers knew. So we've been talking a lot on our podcast lately about consumers and their desire for transparency from the food chain, but what does that mean? In a study released earlier this year by Nielsen and the Food Marketing Institute, consumers define transparency as providing detailed information about what's in food and how it's made. Three-quarters of those surveyed said transparency is important to extremely important, and they also reported that transparency leads to trust. The study also noted that consumers want to know the backstory of food brands, and backstories are an important part of what we're going to talk about today. Today's consumers are three generations removed from the farm, and they have questions about how their food is grown and raised. In 1862, when Abraham Lincoln created the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 90 out of every 100 Americans were farmers. Today, however, that number has shrunk to just 2 out of every 100 Americans, and just over 2 million U.S. farms provide food for over 338 million Americans. A study by the American Farm Bureau Federation in late 2020 found that an overwhelming number of U.S. adults, 88% in fact, trust farmers. But at the same time, shifting demographics contribute to a lack of trust in the food we eat, and questions arise about farmers and sustainability, animal welfare, and production practices. Remember, transparency leads to trust, and a lack of information can lead to concern and doubt. While there's plenty of research trying to get to the bottom of what consumers want to know, what do we in the food value chain wish consumers knew? We're committed to our customers, farmers, ranchers, and veterinarians, and sharing their stories. In fact, we're releasing our third series of Caring for Animals and Creating Trust videos this month that shines a light on their backstories and the generational commitment on the family farm. We'll also talk today about how we can help them share their backstories to build consumer trust. My guests today know a lot about advocating for agriculture and sharing stories, and I'm sure they have a long list of what they wish consumers knew. Dr. Tara Barnhart is a cattle veterinarian and owner of Animal Welfare Consulting and Research, a large animal veterinary practice. She's also a devoted advocate for agriculture, wife, and mom. Also joining us today is social influencer Natalie Kavorik, a social entrepreneur, storyteller, ranch wife, mom, and co-creator of a new program, Elevate Ag, which is an online course that helps farmers and ranchers share their stories. Ladies, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Thanks for having us, Jane. I'm excited for today. All right. So before we get started, I'd love it if each of you could tell our listeners a little about yourselves and what you do every day. So let's share what you're passionate about and what the number one thing is that you wish consumers knew. And Dr. Barnhart, we'll start with you. Well, I am a proud resident of the Sunflower State. I have resided in Kansas my entire life. I grew up in Southwest Kansas on a family farm and ranch. And I grew up doing a lot of the typical things that rural 
young people do. I was very involved in 4-H, very involved in my community, played sports in high school, and I even showed cattle quite extensively throughout my upbringing. Growing up on that farm and ranch, I was exposed to a veterinarian, a local large animal veterinarian, and he really invited me into his profession by offering me an opportunity to see what he does on a daily basis. When we had trouble at the ranch with our cattle, he let me really dig in and learn about what it was to be a veterinarian in the agriculture space in our part of the country. So what is the number one thing you wish consumers knew? I guess, as you had mentioned, I'm a mom of young kids. I am a busy veterinarian. I serve dairy and feedlot clients in Southwest Kansas. And I wish consumers knew at the end of the day, I'm feeding this same food that we're producing every day to my family. And it comes with that level of confidence in the safety and nutritious value of the food that we're producing that I'm willing to put it on my table. And so I want consumers to have that same confidence when they're at the grocery store um, because it is the same food that I am working hard to make sure it's safe and nutritious for your family and mine. Tara, thank you. Natalie, your website says that you're a social entrepreneur. What does that involve and what are you passionate about and what's the number one thing you wish consumers knew? Yeah, it's a fun word, huh? I think I'm still trying to explain it to even my parents too. (laughs) But I guess to rewind a little bit, um, at my core, I am a rancher, like you mentioned, ranch mom and ranch wife. So my husband and I ranch in central Nebraska. I guess what the heart of our operation is a cattle, cow-calf, but we're pretty diversified. We also have a small seed stock herd we're growing and we develop heifers and background and also have our own custom AI business. So, you know, I grew up in agriculture. Yeah. (laughs) My husband, uh, he loves cows. So yeah, we have a lot going on. And I grew up in agriculture, so it's home to me. But a couple of years ago, I started sharing online and that's kind of where the word social entrepreneur, I guess, comes into play. And really at a kind of a micro level, I I share about, you know, our personal ranching and family story. So I share a lot about what's going on here and on our ranch in central Nebraska. And then also on like a macro level, I really share a lot about the industry as a whole and kind of advocate for, um, what I'm passionate about, which is, you know, the agriculture industry. That's great. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how you make that decision to speak on behalf of the broader industry. But what is the number one thing you wish consumers knew? I'm going to go a little off brand here. You know, if I had a conversation with a consumer, there's a lot of things I would love to relate to them. But I think if I had like a magic wand when it came to consumers, It wasn't something they knew. It's actually feel like I really wish they would feel, you know, connected to agriculture again. And and a lot of my work, which we'll talk about with Elevate Ag and my business partner, Tara, that's really, you know, kind of the why of why we created what we're doing. And, you know, we want consumers to feel connected and emotional about agriculture again. That's great. And we talked a little bit about that um, in the beginning that I think that's really a large part of sharing your backstory. So as I mentioned, we're releasing our third Caring for Animals and Creating Trust video series this month. And when I'm on farm talking to our customers, I always like to ask the question, what do you wish consumers knew? So today we're going to do something a little different and we're going to listen to what I heard on farm last summer. So I think it's really important for consumers to understand that the dairy industry is really based on passion. 
Um, this is not an easy career being a dairy farmer. It is not always the most profitable. And so really no one does this unless they are so passionate about it that they cannot fathom doing anything else. I wish they knew like the hard work that goes into farming. There's a lot that goes into farming that I don't think people realize. Like every meal, there's a lot that goes into it. But I wish everybody could see the good in farmers because we're in general doing a lot to try to put food on their tables, put milk in their glasses. So I'd like to have your reaction to those to those sound bites and, and what we're hearing is how farmers are passionate about what they do and that farming isn't easy. It's not for the faint of heart. It's hard work. And we're also hearing that farmers really wish consumers knew who they were as people. And, and Natalie, you just mentioned that. So you're a rancher and an advocate for agriculture. Do the farmers and ranchers you talk to feel the same way? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, food has emotion tied to it. So I think even on the consumer's end that they would say that, I mean, Terry even mentioned, you know, you're shopping the grocery store aisles and they're just trying to find something that is good for their family. And so I think on both ends of the spectrums, there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of emotion, and there's a lot of definitely on the farmer side, uh, longing to be, you know, understood and connected. Right. They're also very busy and sometimes maybe a little fearful to get out there and share those stories. How do we help them share those generational family stories of passion that you're talking about? You know, I think I'll probably have a little bit of a biased answer, but I do think that social media is a great tool for that. Um, I've had a lot of success online, you know, connecting with obviously people within the industry, but people outside of it too. And the power um, in social media, when you really think about it, you know, it's in the palm of your hand for free and you get to have control and over your own story, you get to, you know, share what you want. And I mean, I think it's a really great tool. Like you said, I know we're all busy. We have a lot going on, but every little post helps and um, every little story goes a really long way. You're right. You're right. And Tara, when you said uh, the number one thing that you wish consumers knew was at the end of the day, you're feeding the same food to your family that they're feeding to theirs and you want them to have confidence. Your customers are also passionate about what they do and they're responsible for a lot of animals where feedlots are concerned, do your customers feel the same way? And, and what do you think they wish consumers knew? I think they absolutely resonate in the same way that we do and that we've talked about. The thing I think a lot of my clients would wish that consumers would know is that a lot of these farms are just very integral parts of these rural communities. We live and work and and raise our families in some of the most remote parts of the United States. And we're supplying food to the populous areas. And so their farms and the economy and vibrancy they bring to these communities, it matters for those of us out here that are depending on agriculture to make a living. And I think that helps connect people from consumers to the farm. If you knew that there are a lot of people living out here that depend on the economy and the commerce that agriculture brings to our area. And we're thankful for it because we wanna live out here and we wanna raise our family in rural parts of the country. Not everyone can produce food, but we're lucky enough to be a part of that team. Yeah, you, you are very lucky. It's beautiful out where you live. And it is important that agriculture provides a lot of jobs in, in rural America today. So thanks, Tara. Let's listen to what some others had to say. I wish consumers knew how much we cared about the animal and the product that we produce. What I want consumers to know is that we care. 
the veterinarians behind the livestock, the caretakers behind the livestock. We are tied to every success and every opportunity for improvement and every failure. So just because our farm has grown over the years, uh, I just would like the consumers to know that we're still a family farm. We have multiple families working here, not just one. And we really care about our cows and producing a really wholesome, nutritious dairy product. So now we're hearing about animal welfare and how much farmers and veterinarians care about their animals. And both of you can relate to that, you know, in your, in your own way. We're also hearing about the family farm. So most consumers don't realize that the size of the farm doesn't matter and that 98% of U.S. farms are family-owned. Natalie, your website says that you've been sharing your ranching and familying story online for over two years. Now, why did you decide to do this, and how does your audience react to your stories? Yeah, I kind of got into it really organically, actually. I mean, I've been, you know, a user of social media, as, you know, most people in my generation are, for personal, for really long time. And then about four years ago, a friend and I decided to try out a direct-to-consumer beef business. And the platform we went to to kind of promote that business and create a connection with our customers was Instagram. And I did that for a couple of years, but I kind of felt um, it was hard to have that business page and, you know, want to share more about different areas in the industry and kind of just more, you know, personal things with my family. And so that's kind of how I ended up venturing out um, onto my own page and just sharing more about, like you said, our ranching and family story. And it's been really fun. It's been, I don't think my husband knew what he was signing up for <laughs> when I told him kind of my idea of what I wanted to do, but it's brought a lot of amazing opportunities into our life from a business standpoint. But it's also been really cool to, you know, be involved with agriculture and kind of represent it in that way online. So you obviously you're getting good reactions. You say it's opening opportunities, but who do you find is coming to your page and looking at your posts and reacting to your content? Yeah. So I'm on a couple different platforms. Um, I'm in the podcasting space. So we used to have a YouTube that we were, you know, a lot more active on than we are now. And um, my main platform's always been Instagram. So my community does vary depending on the different platforms. Um, I definitely started out with like an agriculture based community in the beginning. I just think, you know, you kind of draw in, you know, like-minded people. But as I've grown and had success, I've definitely started reaching non-consumers. And I do have a lot of people um, who follow me that are outside of the industry. And I think that's one of the really rewarding things is to be able to kind of have one-on-one -on -one interaction with them, you know, whether that's in my DMs where we're having a conversation where they ask a question or, you know, like I said, again, being in control of like being able to, you know, advocate for the industry and, and say things that I want to, that I know are going to, you know, reach people. That sounds great. So it, it leads me into our, what we're going to talk about next. And that's telling the agriculture story in the first person. And that might be the answer to how we relay this information. And then also building a community of influencers, you know, with a common message. So we, we've talked about what we wish consumers knew. So now let's shift and talk about how we can help farmers and ranchers and veterinarians tell their stories. Like I said before, we know we need to tell our stories, but for many farmers and ranchers, there's some perceived risk, perhaps. There's also a lack of time. I think one thing consumers don't realize is how busy farmers are. It's 24-7, 365 days a year. Sometimes they might feel that the benefits may not out outweigh the risks. So Natalie, you're the co-creator of Elevate Ag, an online course that helps farmers and ranchers share their stories. Tell us about this program and how it's going and why it's so important to share your story in the first person, to you know, tell your own story about your own experiences. 
Yeah. I mean, Tara and I really created it from literally exactly what you said, which is like, you know, how many times do you go to a conference or are you told by one of your local organizations you're a part of like, you have a story, go tell it. And then there's like very little guidance after that. It's like, what's my story? What do you mean by sharing it? And there was just so many questions. I feel like there was a lot of push by a, a lot of people outside the industry to for our industry to share, but really no guidance. And Tara and I had been sharing online, you know, for a combined experience of almost 10 years. So we just felt like we had a lot of good information we could give people to kind of guide, you know, any producer, farmer, rancher that wants to share online. And also we had information about what not to do. You know, we learned a lot of things the hard knock way and um, I'm never one to gatekeep information. So if I can get across all that, you know, tips I have and information and really, open the path for anyone who wants to come behind Tara and I and do what we do, um, I'm going to do it. And so the best way we felt was to, you know, launch this online course. You know, you, you purchase the course and you work through it at your own time. It's a handful of modules. The goal is that after you take the course, you are able to understand what your ag story is and, um, you know, what platform you want to be on sharing it and then have a pretty strategic plan of what you're going to share. And we even go a layer deep for people that want to monetize that because I think that's something you mentioned it. If you're spending time online, you're, you know, that's time you're not spending elsewhere doing something else. And so there are a handful of people who are interested in maybe monetizing their ag story. And Tara and I have done that very successfully. And so we bring that to the course as well. That is really fantastic and really extensive. I might have to take the course myself. <laughs> um, Tara Barnhart, as a highly technical professional, there is the occasion when you're a valuable spokesperson for the broader industry. And Natalie touched on this a little bit earlier about, you know, speaking on behalf of the industry rather than just yourself sometimes. How do you decide when to take advantage of an opportunity to promote the cattle industry, say, as opposed to just promoting yourself and, and your vet clinic? Veterinarians are going to struggle with this because a lot of times we struggle to communicate to our clients in a way that's easy to understand. You know, I always say I have to remember my doctor words, and that's because I spend so much time on farms working with people and explaining exactly what we're trying to accomplish on those farms in very plain terms so that we can all have discussions and, and make improvements based on those. And I think veterinarians are going to struggle because a lot of times we think our clients may not appreciate it, but it may be something that we're taking out of our clients' hands. Like they're not very comfortable sharing their story, but their veterinarian is. And I hope that's the case for some of my clients. One thing that I try to work with other veterinarians on sharing and advocating is just to really come from where your passion lies. We're all in this because it's something that really drives us on a daily basis. You know, I slide into bed at night exhausted. I have three kids, a busy practice, and I'm exhausted every night. But every morning I'm thinking about the fact that it's so cool that I get to leave and help these farms produce food. And we don't want to lose that because that's what's genuine and that's what people connect with. And at the end of the day, I can put the science away and people will connect with this side of me that's just really excited about what I do. I love that. So, you know, coming from where your passion is, that's really important because that's how you relate to people. We know science is important, but let's first connect on a shared value 
you know, like you said, you feed your family the same food that consumers are feeding their families. Natalie, you have 103,000 followers on Instagram. I take it you are coming from where your passion is. You have more than 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. How long have you been working to build this voice? And has it been difficult to showcase yourself and your family and your ranch on social media? You know, are there downsides? Yeah. So I've been at it with my personal pages for two years now. I started um, sharing on, I think, in April of 2020. So gosh, almost coming up on three. But no, I am fortunate enough that, you know, I love sharing online. I don't think I would have lasted this long if I hadn't. So I love a lot of different things about it. I love the creativity aspect. I love, again, sharing about agriculture in a way that, you know, not everyone is or can. Um, It's pretty rewarding. But yeah, there there are things to keep in mind. Um, I'm a mother and my oldest is actually in high school. So I have to be pretty conscientious of, you know, we know we're in a small community. So I try try not to embarrass my son online. So there are personal things like that. But as far as if people are curious about like, you know, activists or, you know, having any negativity that way towards our operation. um, No, I've always felt pretty safe online. And I like to share that because I do think that there is, you know, a barrier for people who who want to share, but are kind of afraid of the repercussions that come with that. And um, I've never experienced that personally. So I always like to to let people know that in case they are, you know, wanting to share too. All right. That's great. And, and I can relate because my daughters are very careful about what they share with me because my older daughter <laughs> said the next thing we know is going to show up on Instagram. So... <laughs> I totally understand. You know, if somebody is starting this journey, Natalie, it feels a little overwhelming to me, even as someone who actively posts on social media, where should they begin? Well, I would shamelessly plug our course (laughs) because that will really walk you through it. So if you do want to take it, you know, have the monetary means to invest in it, it it really truly is. I know I'm biased, but um, I'm so proud of what we created and, you know, the feedback from the people who have gone through it has been overwhelmingly positive. So I know that what's in there is making a difference, but also surround yourself with people that are doing it, you know, reach out to some other people. Maybe it's in your area or it's in your industry that's sharing online about kind of the same things you want to. Um, We're really a pretty strong community. If you're online as an influencer, an advocate, you know who else is out there and you're willing to help them because it is, it is kind of uncharted territory. It's a little different of a profession than other things. And so um, I would surround yourself with other like-minded individuals that are kind of doing the same thing. And um, Dr. Barnhart, would you agree? Yes, sometimes we are in remote areas. So the only way to connect with like-minded individuals is online. I laugh about how many friends I have that I have not met in real life yet. Let's get to the to the downside or the, the hard part. Sometimes we also have to share our story when the news isn't so good. And, you know, I've managed countless crises during my career, including crises on the farm. And I know that having the right spokesperson is critical and that the veterinarian can play an important role in these situations. I once had a veterinarian tell me that she was the spokesperson for the cows, and I loved that. So, Tara, you recently spoke out about a weather event that affected thousands of cattle with heat, stress, and worse, because you noticed no one else was speaking up. Why did you decide to speak up? Gosh, it seems like so long ago. It's been the world's longest summer around here. (laughs) I had a baby on June 10th, my third, a little boy, and he was born. I was in the hospital and the 24 hours of time off I got to have him, I noticed, you know, the temperature was changing. We had a very bad heat stress event. And in the days to come, 
a TikTok video got released and really went viral. And without any context and with false information attached to it, a lot of people had many questions that took the heat stress event and turned it into the possibilities were endless. The conspiracy theories were wild. And it's hard in that moment because we were really busy doing what we needed to do for the animals. And we were really busy making plans and and making sure that our employees were okay during that time because it was very difficult for us to deal with. It was not easy to be the person to say, hey, we better tell a story. But somebody had already started telling this story. But you stepped up to share the accurate story about what was going on. And that took a lot of bravery. And how did it turn out for you? It's turned out really well. Uh, I paired up with one of my clients and I kind of looked at her and said, you know what, if, if we don't start talking, they already are. And so we have this opportunity to connect with people. And I think we we laid a lot of it to rest. And I found out through that process that there are a lot of people who were just curious, who did not have the context or information to make an opinion or come up with a conspiracy. The crazy involved with all of it, I don't think we're going to convince them otherwise, and that's okay. Uh, There's a percentage of our population, a very low percentage, who don't partake in animal agriculture products at the grocery store. They do not purchase them, and that's okay. That's what they choose to feed their families with. But I'm probably not going to be the person who connects with them or, or even gives them any sense of security when a heat stress event happens at a feed yard because we just have too much of a differing opinion there. And it was difficult. I enjoyed the challenge, I guess. It was it was very challenging and and something I've grown and learned from. Wow. Well that's great. And one thing you said that I that I really loved is that you came to the conclusion if we don't start talking someone else will and oftentimes I do a lot of crisis training and media training. I say, you know, if we don't share our story. Someone else will share the story for us and we might not like what they have to say. Natalie, do you also think it's important to share the story in the difficult times too? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not easy, but it's important, like Tara was saying, because there's going to be narration around, uh, you know, whatever the situation is. So if if we think, you know, keeping quiet or um, not addressing it is going to help it, it, it's not. So someone has to step up. And I remember when Tara stepped up um, with the the situation this summer. And I was so thankful because I was getting a lot of questions and I just didn't have the background um, to handle some of those conversations. And so I remember like directing so many <laughs> to Tara. So it is important when, you know, if you feel called or compelled or you have, you know, the platform and the the knowledge and the background to speak up about something, um, it's important that we do. You don't have to speak up on every crisis. You don't have to speak up on every uncomfortable thing that happens, but there may be one that you can, you know, lend your voice to that would be of help to the industry. That's a really good point. Natalie, that's a great point because it's important for agriculturalists to realize sometimes when you're hit with those hard situations, that's your time. Like you have to just give more and and put your time in then because you're exactly right. There's going to be a time where maybe I can just be a supporting person that doesn't have as much background with another crisis. And I can just send a text message that says, hey, I'm here for you if you need anything. But you take the front line this time. Yeah, I love that. I love that. 
Natalie, what's the most unexpected thing that's happened since you became an active voice for agriculture? Oh, gosh. You know, from a business standpoint, I never would have guessed that I would leave my, you know, off-ranch position, my um, my work as a pharmacist, to share online. And so that was really unexpected for our family. But honestly, the whole, I always say, you never know what email you're going to open up or what DM you're going to open up because the online world is full of a lot of really exciting um, and unique opportunities, which is, I think, one of the one, you know, really fun things about it and why I encourage anyone who's maybe feels a calling to share online to explore what that looks like, because there is just so many cool, unexpected things that happen to you. That's great to hear. And Dr. Barnhart, what's the most unexpected thing that's happened to you since you started advocating for agriculture and really speaking out? I guess I'm shocked the most by the amount of local people who benefit from your efforts. And I think because we're all surrounded by agriculture where we live, that everyone in my community understands the feedlot or understands the dairy. And that's just not the case. There's many people in our community who do. And there are a lot who work at the bank, who work at the pharmacy, who work at the post office, and they still need that connection because they have a lot of friends who reach to them simply because they live in a rural area and are connected to agriculture geographically. And so we can make a lot of ground up by just advocating within our local communities as well. And we can't forget about that following in that group of people because that connection is tenfold. Then they have connections all over as well that I wouldn't be privy to because you know, the pharmacist might have connections in the pharmacy world that I would never have connected with online. And so that's kind of an exciting part of advocacy that it matters what you do on a grassroots level back home also. I love that. So start local, start in your own field, your own patch of grass, and and then go bigger. Tara, do you think creating common messages is important? Or can we all speak just from our own perspective? I think there's a lot of unique perspectives in agriculture that lend themselves to success in the advocating space. I don't know that we all need to worry about, you know, matching up on how we tell our stories so much as that it is rooted and genuine honesty. I think that's what's going to get us further because no, no consumer can argue with the facts. And sometimes the facts are hard to present and sometimes they're hard to actually understand. But at the end of the day, that's going to be the most consistent across all of the different sectors of agriculture that exist out there. That's great advice. So this has been such an enlightening conversation. Thank you, Tara Barnhart and Natalie Kaborik for joining us today to share your knowledge and insights. Hopefully we've inspired our listeners, farmers and food brands alike to also begin sharing their stories, knowing that consumers need transparency in order to trust. Thanks also to our listeners for joining us on Caring for Animals and Creating Trust. Be sure to look for links to our latest videos and also to Elevate Ag in the podcast notes and on our website. We'd love for you to rate, review or subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And we'll be back next month to reveal insights from our consumers and transparency research. See you next month.